God, I thank you for today. I thank you for being able to worship you in a country that lets us still do that. <clears throat> and I'm grateful. And God, as we spend some time in your word, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to bring life and you're going to bring a, a new understanding of how to connect with, with you better. So thanks for helping us today. Amen. For over 1,500 years, the church has recognized it's really important to talk about being genuinely honest with God. And the Bible can be really helpful in doing that. And there's some specific Psalms. Seven of them have been identified by whomever. I'm not quite sure who, but important people as something called penitential psalms. And Martin Luther gave credit to these psalms in helping him to develop his insights into the grace of God, which we've all benefited from a lot. So these seven psalms give us a language that we can use to talk to God, to be genuine with God about challenging things in our life. They give us words to be honest, to connect with God when we're not doing so well, and how to come back to a place of doing okay. I've chosen one of the Psalms today. It happens to be my favorite out of the seven. And um, it's really been helpful for me in my dialogue with God about getting things restored and getting things real. Maybe it'll help you too. Turn to Psalm 32. Turn to. I guess I'm still using the phrase of pages. Find it however you get there. Just get to Psalm 32. How about that? When you get there, give me a wave or something so I can see uh, at least a few people are there. Okay. We're going to read through, I'm going to read through the whole thing together so you kind of get a feel for it. And then I'm going to go back through it and take some of the pieces and talk about how they apply. And I'm going to share how I applied this recently to one issue in my life I was struggling with, trying to figure out, am I okay? Am I not okay? Did I do right, God? Did I not do right, God? Maybe you don't wrestle with that, but I do. And I think probably most of us from time to time have some of that. God, thank you for your blessing on your word. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will, conf I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from the trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. 
I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all of you who are upright in heart. If I can give you one thing to maybe take away and think about, hopefully you'll get more, but if you get one thing, it'd be this. Unconfessed transgressions and sin have serious negative consequences. Confession and forgiveness result in protection, freedom, and joy. Unconfessed transgressions and sin have serious negative consequences. Confession and forgiveness result in protection, freedom, and joy. I've applied this psalm in my life to, to a lot of situations, the principles, and helping me navigate. Where, where am I at, God? How am I doing? One of these applications came when my brother-in-law passed away very recently. It was a difficult thing. He'd been sick, but still, when somebody that's family passes away, it's kind of a hard thing to deal with. Now, this isn't a real huge thing. I tried to make it not too serious, but there's probably some issues that maybe some of us are really contending with that are impactful for you to consider. Dennis was married to my my wife, Mary's older sister. He was a retired colonel in the US Air Force. He could easily be described as crusty. He was a bit abrupt sometimes. He said what he thought and other people's feelings were usually not very high on his priority list. But he was also really caring. He was genuine. What he said, you got. And he really loved his wife, Mary's sister. He had a good sense of humor. I really enjoyed Dennis's humor. We were fortunate to go on several vacations together, and I really liked being with Dennis. Oh, yes, and he really loved classic rock. And that was a good thing, too, at least for me. When Dennis passed, I had some questions about it. Was Dennis with Jesus? Or was he separated? Did I do enough? Could I have shared more about Jesus or in a different way? If he's not in heaven, am I responsible for part of that? It troubled me, and I spent time in this psalm working through it. A couple weeks after his passing, Mary brought up the same subject with me because she'd been thinking about the same things. And we talked and shared about Dennis and our interactions with him. And I shared some of this with Mary. And now I want to share it with you that maybe it'll help you, whether it's did I do something wrong or I know I've done something wrong. It can help us in the process of restoring and dealing with the issues. So go back to the top of the psalm, Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. It says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. 
Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. There are significant blessings when we confess and receive forgiveness of sin. A basic, I don't know if you call it a principle, a truth maybe of the kingdom of God is this. Unconfessed sin will result in a decreased blessing. If we've got sin we have not dealt with, ask for forgiveness, we are going to result in a decrease of God's blessing. Not because he hates us, but there's something that's a priority for him to address. And sometimes that's how he can get our attention. Now, I want to be really clear when we're talking through this. When we sin, we don't lose our salvation. We're still God's kid. Amen? I mean, he didn't kick us out of the family because we mess up. Otherwise, all of us would be orphans right now. But when we retain sin that's not confessed, we lose the intimacy with God. We lose the connection with God. We experience even a little of that with our own children. When they've done something wrong, they know they've done something wrong. <laughs> it's even in creatures. When our dog messes up, she knows she messed up, and she slinks around like she messed up. When I was a kid and I did something my parents said they didn't want to, there was a distance. It wasn't the close connection. And when we retain sin, there's a loss a degree of loss of intimacy with God. We're still part of the family. He still loves us. He's still willing to respond to us. But there's just a thing. Because unconfessed sin will result in a decrease of blessing and intimacy. Now, if we find that happens, it'd be a wise thing to do to say, hey, I got to find out what happened and get it fixed. We do that with our families now. We might do it with coworkers. Certainly husbands and wives do that. Hey, are we okay? Mary and I were just laughing about that the other night. I said, we used to say that a lot when we first got married. Are we okay? Are we on the same page? Are we doing all right? Well, we've been married plenty number of years now. And we don't usually have to ask because we know. And it's true like that with God. We pretty much know if you've walked with Jesus for a while, we pretty much know. We're not real tight right now. There's this thing. And I need to deal with it. Now, most of us as Christians know we need to deal with that. Enough said about that. Verse 3, Psalm 32, 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. That phrase, I kept silent. I believe is really instructive, and it's pretty interesting. Now, the psalmist doesn't say why he keeps silent. And I think that's because the reason for the silence isn't the issue. The primary issue is that the psalmist didn't talk to God about the sin. He remained silent. And like the psalmist, our silence with God is the issue, not so much what we're silent about, but are we silent with God? Are we just not talking about an area? Now, why do we keep silent with God? When we stop and think about it, that's like, 
crazy because God knows all this stuff. But why do we keep silent? Why do we not want to talk to God about some of the stuff that's just not really pleasant to talk about? It's not a secret from God, but we do it anyway. And I think there's two primary reasons. There could probably be more, but I think there's two primary reasons why we're silent. The first reason we keep silent about sin is guilt. We feel guilty. Silence, not just for Christians, for our culture, our workplace, all kinds of places. Silence is a major coping mechanism with guilt. I've worked in the corporate world for a while, and one of the big things that people do is they don't want to talk about their stuff. They make a mistake, there's a reason for it or not, it's like they don't want to talk about it. Silence is a major coping mechanism with guilt. Somehow we feel, if I don't talk about it, I don't have to deal with it. When we are not involved in the sin, we know ignoring the sin is not the solution. In other words, we all know we need to talk about it. We need to confess. But when we're in the middle of it, silence is one of the mechanisms lots of people use to avoid dealing with it. Genuine, good Christians, including me sometimes, probably including you sometimes, Maybe not. Maybe you're better at this than I. Can and do have thoughts like, well, my issue's not as bad as some other people. It's not really that serious. Uh, I'll, I'll deal with it later. I'm just not going to deal with it right now. I'm not in the right place to deal with it. But in our hearts, Holy Spirit keeps saying to us, and if we're very honest with ourselves, we know those things aren't true. We got stuff, we need to deal with it. Guilt and the silence it often produces is expressed in one of two ways generally. I don't know, maybe it's one way with two linked emotional experiences. But in either case, there are two expressions of unconfessed guilt. It's going to be shame or it's going to be fear. Way too often we express our guilt to God because of shame. Shame is a huge problem in everybody's life, Christian, non-Christian, whatever. Shame is really damaging. But we don't want to talk about it because it's too embarrassing to talk about our failings with God our emotional experiences that are negative. And somehow, it surprises me, but somehow I think, and probably we think, as long as we aren't talking about it, as long as those failings are unvoiced, we can allow ourselves not to deal with them. You know, kind of pretend oh, they don't really exist because we're not talking about it. The second way, that silence of guilt is expressed is fear. Fear is pretty big too. We choose to keep silent about guilt 
because we fear rejection or punishment from the people we have disappointed or betrayed. And ultimately for a Christian, we keep silent because we fear God's anger toward our sin is going to be directed at us and not just the sin. So shame and fear are the reasons we tend to not talk. But that's a problem. Verse three and four said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the summer, the heat of summer. Now we've seen in our society recently a, a, a really big awakening for the need to talk about offenses or wrongs or things done to us or done by us. All different kinds of groups have for generations chosen to keep silent or worse, be forced to, to keep silent. It ranges from silence about discrimination and bias. The hurt is there. It's about gender issues and age and ethnicity and finances and education and life opportunities. All of these places that have not been talked about until very recently in our society. And the Psalms are pretty clear about this. These verses, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. My strength was sapped. There is a consequence to not talking, to not sharing, to not addressing the issues in our life. That pain, that anger, that silence. Again, it's interesting. The writer doesn't say why he was silent, why being silent was the chosen method. And I think not talking about that says the reason we're silent doesn't matter. The issue is we're being silent. We're not talking about the issues. If we don't talk with God about sin and other people as necessary, our body, according to this psalm, is going to do the talking for us. That's a little bit uncomfortable. And yet there's a lot related to medical science and counseling and all that. If these things get bottled up, they don't get addressed. There are definite impacts physically which just echoes the truth of what the psalmist is saying all along. Now we can try to fool ourselves into thinking we don't need to talk about sin. We don't need to talk about the issues. We don't need to try to get it right, but our bodies are going to talk to us whether we like it or not. Our body suffers in ways that we eventually are going to notice because they become the carriers of our not choosing not to deal with sin, not to talk about it with God. The focus in verses three and four are the cost of the silence. My bones wasted away. My groanings were all day long. Your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped or in other versions, it's dried up like in the heat of the summer. 
denial of sin inevitably leads to physical and emotional issues if we don't deal with it. Now, I want to say a word right after that before, so we don't just jump on this 100%. We live in a broken, fallen war zone of a world. Not all physical and emotional issues are caused by sin that is not confessed. Did that get in for everybody? Just because you're sick, just because you have an emotional issue does not mean you have unconfessed sin. You might, but it's not automatic. It's one of the things we need to talk about. I talked with, not that I got sick, but I talked with God about this because I said, I can't bottle this up anymore. Did I do okay with Dennis? God, I need to know. I've been thinking about it. I woke up one night thinking about, did I do okay? Did Dennis go to heaven because I said enough? Is he apart from Jesus? Because I should have said more. It'll eat us up if we don't deal with the stuff. Not my words, God's words. My groanings were all day long. There is a heaviness and a weight that comes with retaining sin. A second thing I want to put in right here. That phrase, your hand was heavy on me, needs a little explaining. In the kingdom of God, sickness is never used by God on his children to get them to repent. God never comes to someone and says, I'm going to make you sick so that you'll turn around and repent and deal with your sin. That never happens from God. Sickness is not from God. Jesus died on the cross, and by his stripes we are healed. That's the kingdom way. We pray on earth as it is in heaven because there's sickness here, and that's not in heaven. We want heaven to come down and get rid of the sickness because that's what's going on in heaven. Sickness is not automatically caused because there's no unconfessed sin. I hope that gets in. If, if, you, if you're contending with chronic illness, don't be pointing the finger at you. Go to God and talk about it. God, is this relevant for me? And in many cases, it may not be with the people who are sitting here, but it might be a little bit. The stress of work, the stress of raising children, the, the, the angst of making choices that are not good. That's another kind way of saying when we sin. And not dealing with them can cause outcomes, but it doesn't. Okay, if that's not what the heavy hand of God means, the heavy hand of God, I want to suggest to you, refers to Holy Spirit conviction. Relationship with God is so important. When sin comes, God says, Holy Spirit, start working on it. We got to deal with this so our relationship can come back together. And he's not pointing to say bad, bad, bad. He's saying, Holy Spirit, Bring your conviction. If you dozed off a little bit, come back for a second. I want to talk this next sentence about what Holy Spirit conviction is. To be convicted of sin 
means that we are convinced by Holy Spirit that a behavior choice is in opposition to God's best for our life. What that means, somebody could have said amen there. That was a pretty good thing. Amen. Way to go, Rob. Awesome. To be convicted of sin means to be convinced by the Holy Spirit that a behavior choice we made is in opposition to God's best for our life. Holy Spirit comes along and says to me, Rob, that choice is not the best thing that God has for you. That's conviction. There's going to be outcomes that are going to be negative in your relationship with me and in your relationship with other people if we don't deal with it. There's a better way. I can help you. The Holy Spirit convinces me and you at some point to say, yes, that's right. By choosing to retain this sin, not talk about it, not forgive, whatever it is, that's worse for me than coming to God and being forgiven and receiving God's reconnection, relational uh, connection together, receiving God's peace. <sighs> it's forgiven. It's under the cross. It's not an issue with me. When Holy Spirit convicts, it's unto something to discover, wow, this isn't working for me. This is going to work way better. Hanging on to sin, ignoring it, excusing it, isn't going to work as good as, God, forgive me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. I want to get back in relational connection with you. And the stress I've had, the, the ruminating in my mind I've had because of this. I get to give that up and find God's peace. It's a good trade. I wonder sometimes, why did I take that long? Oh, why did I take that long to trade this covering and hiding and distance for connection and peace? Holy Spirit conviction is to bring us to the place where we agree with God that a sin activity is not as good for us as a restored relationship with him. Just to make sure we got it, God's heavy hand on us is not physical affliction. It's not the, the bones wasting away that's discussed in verses three and four. Look, we all go to the doctors. Most of the people, at least on the screen, you're getting older. What does the doctor say to us when we go? The dentist, the therapist. Hey, you need to eat better. Is he trying to make us feel guilty? Well, the good ones don't. Maybe the bad ones do. But a good doctor doesn't say, you need to eat better. You need to exercise more. You need to take care of yourself. Eat your, you know, have your vitamins all that kind of stuff. Their goal is they want us to live better, healthier lives. Went to the dentist not long ago and they said, you're brushing your teeth real well, but you need to start getting below the gum line. <sighs> Something else I need to do. Because it starts to rot the teeth. It's going to make a difference in my overall well-being and health. 
I have a great dentist. He didn't say that because he wants me to feel bad, to beat me up, to condemn me. He does it because he wants me to be healthy. God says, confess our sins so that we can get out of this trap of being oppressed by it and feeling guilty and being silent and living with all of this angst and having even a breakdown physically. He wants us to come back into a, a restora- restored relationship. God's heavy hand is not physical affliction. It's the Holy Spirit bringing us to the place where we go, I deserve better. I'm going to talk to God about this sin, this transgression. And I'm going to get his peace back. Just like we're going to make better choices, we eat differently than we used to. Most of us, if we've gone to the doctor, we've gotten the thing that we're supposed to avoid or eliminate stress. How's that work in this culture we live in? They're not trying to make our life difficult. They're trying to make it better. And when God says, let's deal with the sin thing, don't keep silent anymore. It's because Holy Spirit wants so much better for us. God wants the best for us. And the best for us is no longer being silent about sin. Why? Because God knows the positive outcomes of confessed sin. Verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. The light comes on. The psalmist says, what have I been doing? Oh, I need to get it. I'm going to confess my sin. Now, what was the sin? We don't know. Again, the issue is not which sin. It's just sin. And the specifics don't matter. What is important is the recognition, the silence of sin does to us and the damage it causes to us. The silence of sin is damaging. Confession is life-giving and liberating. Why did the psalmist change? Probably the same reason you and I change. It's like, okay, God, I'm tired of this. I want to confess it. For the psalmist and most Christians, the change comes because the silence of unconfessed sin is worse to the point of being unbearable, and the offer of forgiveness and restoration from God is so much better. Notice the transaction. I confess, and God forgives. And forgiveness changes everything. This is true and echoed in the New Testament. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 is pretty familiar for most of us who've been in the church for a while. You can turn there if you want, or you can just let me read it. You can, we'll come back to the Psalm 32. First John 1, 8 and 9 says this. If we can claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
That's good news. It's okay if you smile right now. That's like really good news. Maybe take a little bit of time this week to meditate on this psalm and the verses from 1 John. So what's the outcome of our heartfelt confession? Verses 6 through 8. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you, God, while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. God, you will, uh, God, you're going to instruct me. Let me read it from the way it is. I, God, will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Hey, once forgiveness happens, it's awesome. All of the flood of negative life experiences cannot touch us with ongoing guilt, grief, or pain because of God's protection. When Satan comes and says, you remember that thing you did back then? I go, no, it's under the blood. You got to talk to Jesus. I'm not listening to that anymore. There is a freedom that comes to us when we live a lifestyle of confession and enjoying the benefits. The accusation, the grief, and the pain will decrease. Why? Because God says we have a hiding place. We have protection. We are surrounded by songs of deliverance. You know, thanks, Sarah. We sang about songs of deliverance because that's God's intent for saying, let's talk about this sin and get rid of it. We receive instruction and teaching and counsel from God how to maintain it, how to stay free, how to walk in victory. We live with the assurance that God's loving eye is on us. And man, that is a good place to be when he's looking at us full in the face and we're good, clean, between him, there's no sin. We're going, yeah, Papa loves me. It's taking care of me. I really think the Holy Spirit is talking to some people today. During this teaching, I think a few of us maybe have been reminded of places we've been silent. Things where we've been carrying it. We haven't talked about it with God. Maybe some of us become aware of the physical issues that we've had. Wow, when I think about some of this stuff, my stomach hurts, my ulcer flares, my muscles get tight, my back gets out of joint. Things that have even physically happened as a result of retained things we should be giving to God. Just for a minute, ask Holy Spirit to search your heart right now. You can do this throughout the week, but just we'll, we'll kind of go through the steps just so you sort of get an idea. Holy Spirit, search our hearts right now. Is there something in me you want me to address? Do I have bitterness or anger or unforgiveness? Is there something you want to address in me? Is there something I've been waking up and thinking about? Holy Spirit, you show me something, if there is anything that you want me to deal with. 
God, is there something that's creating distance between me and you? If it comes up, you just confess your sin. It's really, really simple. It's hard, the mechanics of going through it and the thinking and wanting to justify and not say, wow, I just messed this up. That's hard to do. I, I, I get it. But to get rid of it is real simple. God, I sinned. I just snapped at my wife, that driver in front of me. I didn't tell the full truth. Whatever it is, you just confess it. And you know what's so awesome? God forgives us. It's just the coolest thing. We don't have to keep it and all the stuff that goes with it. And then when you do, be sure to receive God's forgiveness. God, forgive me. And I receive now your forgiveness for that choice. Make me clean. Thank you for making me clean. Thanking, thank you for just pulling that thing that's been there out. God, protect my heart and my thoughts. Thank you for that protection. Thank you for your peace. Let Holy Spirit begin to teach you and give you direction how to keep your freedom, keep your peace, keep that protection that is, your, that is yours and mine because we've confessed, we've turned away from the silence, and we've shared, we've talked with God, we've been honest to say, here's where I'm at, here's where I want to get, help me to get there. Ask for an awareness of God's loving eye on you as his child. God, I'm sitting in this chair right now, talking to the people of City River, and they're doing some business with you, and God, that is when you drop something into my mind, help me to just be aware. It's a loving eye that you're looking at saying, wow, here's a way my relationship with Rob could be better. That's how he looks at us. It's not about waiting for us to mess up so he can jump on us. Not at all. He longs to have the relationship restored. He longs to have that peace and he's just watching over us. Is that the coolest thing? God's loving eye. I love that phrase in this psalm. Well, need to be about done here. So what happened in my conversation with God about my brother-in-law, Dennis? I shared with him all the thoughts I had earlier with you. Did I do enough? Did I do the right thing? Did I talk about Jesus enough? Did I say the things that are necessary right now? I came away from my time with God, and I had a couple of them working through this, because I really want to see my brother-in-law when I get to heaven, as I'm sure we all do, with the ones we love or the people we've been separated from. I came away from my time with God, and I was confident that I had been a good representative of the kingdom of God to Dennis. I'm blessed to report. Thank you, honey. I think she's still on here somewhere. That Mary said, I agree. What you did with Dennis was exactly what Dennis needed, and he saw something different in you and the way you interacted with him that reflected God. I don't know if I'm going to see Dennis in heaven. I, I don't know his status with God. 
but I have confidence and a joy of the Holy Spirit that I did my part to show the kingdom of God to my brother-in-law, Dennis. I let him see what it's like to be in relationship with the best option in the world, a God that is forgiving, loving, and desires to be a friend forever. If you don't remember anything else, here's what I'd like you to try to remember. Unfor unconfessed transgression and sin have serious negative consequences. Confession and forgiveness result in protection, freedom, and joy. I encourage you again, take some time today or this week to talk with God about the sin, to confess it, and to receive all of the blessings, the restoration, the joy that God desires to give you. And if you feel like you're stuck, give Hanny a call, give me a call, give your, your uh, small group leader a call, talk to them, they can help you through this. We don't have to live in the silence of separation. We can live in the joy and the protection and peace of a restored life with God. Father God, I thank you so much for your relentless pursuit of the very best for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. We're so grateful that your desire for us is not fear or guilt or separation. And thank you that as we confess and come to you and get relationship restored, that that isolation that comes from sin and silence just goes away as your loving eye rests on us again. Holy Spirit, please continue to be honest with us when we choose to ignore or hide our sin. Thank you that you're relentless to move us back into a place of restoration and out of the place where even we're physically harming ourselves because we're not dealing with this. Thank you, God, that sin is not a death sentence. It's a temporary setback into the place of closer and closer relationship with you. And you've already taken care of the cost, the effort, the pain of sin. And you've already made a way for the restoration and the joy in your loving eye to watch us. Thank you that your life, Jesus, and your death and your resurrection offer us liberation from silence. Thank you for your protection, your peace. You're teaching us how to, how to live in that as a regular lifestyle. Thank you for freedom from the bondage of silence and all the stuff that goes with it. Father God, thank you again for your loving eye on each one of us. And now, God, I ask that you let the truth of this little song be a launch pad for every man and woman to connect or reconnect or increase and develop to empower us into a new life journey with you that is exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. 
Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for making a way to stay intimate with you. I love you, Papa.